Hi everybody, good afternoon, I'm Paul Valley, and this is the Payoff Pitch on Phantom Radio presented by DNL Window Tinting. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. I'm joining me today from glenclarkradio.com and pressboxonline.com, we have Glenn Clark himself. Glenn, how are you doing today, man? I'm great, Paul, it's great to chat with you again, dude. Yeah, absolutely, glad to see you. I haven't seen you since the... Uh... The draft party when uh, Adley Rutschman was taken first overall, right? Dude, we should spend another... I'm sure you talked about it plenty on your show, but we should spend another minute talking about it. I wrote about it for Pressbox. That was a really special night, man. Like, it was uh, It was a real... I, I got to give everybody who was part of putting that thing together a lot of credit. I know our buddy uh, Eric, Barstool RDT, was a big part of that, but... Um, you know what a group. Um, you know it's been. Look, we're all we're all going through the same thing, right? Like everybody that likes the Orioles is going through a difficult year, and we know there's going to be a lot more tough that's coming. And so, what a cathartic, like fun night to just hang out and be able to say, "Hey, look, we're still all in this thing together. We're still all fans. We might not be making it out to every game the way that we usually do, but like we're still behind this thing and we believe in it. And it was just a great atmosphere and a great thing to be around, and it was really fun to be a part of that. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, and it was a really great turnout. Not only was Orioles Twitter really well represented there, a lot of guys who I've seen on Twitter but never met in person I got to meet yeah. that night, uh, but also I actually saw some guys that I used to play baseball with up in Harford County who were right. there um, taking, all, taking in all the festivities. So that was really cool, and, you know, it's funny because nobody really ever pays attention to the Major League Baseball draft. It's kind of uh, something that falls by the wayside because those guys – you know, the NFL, the NBA, guys get, and the NHL even, guys get drafted in the first round and they're playing that year. When it comes to Major League Baseball, you know, they're probably not playing for three years at, at a minimum. For most of these guys, guys like Adley Rutschman, they probably play a lot sooner, but most first-round draft picks, they don't start playing Major League Baseball for two or three years. So it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but it was a big night and really special. And I think it speaks to, you know, yes, a lot of it's about Adley Rutschman and we're all excited for him. This is our Lord and Savior that we're discussing. But I think it really speaks more to um, we still want to have an outlet. Like we're still fans. You know, we're still I, I, this is we know what's going on here. We understand what's happening right now in Baltimore. And so from an outsider's perspective, they might be making fun of it. We get it. We know what it is. We're on board. We, we know how this works and we're hoping that it works out the way that we all want it to. But in the meantime, we want everybody to know we're still fans. Like, we're still on board, even if it's not that we're obsessed with, you know, uh, 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 Tom Eshelman or somebody like that. Right, right. And the, the, and the, the cool thing about it is that we're all going to get to see Adley pretty soon. Not at the major league level, but he's about to make his Gulf Coast League debut. He, you know, had a, a small bout of mononucleosis, which... Luckily, it was a small bout. Otherwise, that usually keeps you out for, you know, four to six weeks, which is awful. But he should be making his Gulf Coast League debut this week. And then they said he'll probably play a game or two there and then head up to Aberdeen, which is 30 minutes from Camden Yards. Uh, he's going to be playing with, for the Ironbirds probably next week. Uh, and then they may move him over to Delmarva for that playoff push, but they say he'll play most of the rest of the season with Aberdeen. I'm hoping he's still there selfishly on August 17th because I'm headed to the game with a couple of buddies of mine and I want to see him play. But do you have any um, plans to go see Adley while he's in Aberdeen? Oh, this year? absolutely. Uh, I, look, I genuinely believe, and I've said this on the show, I, I think if you're an Orioles fan, you might want to start pre-purchasing tickets. I think it's going to be a mob scene. I, I think what you're referring to, the fact that it's only 30 minutes away and it's so freaking accessible that even if you don't live in... Uh, Baltimore or Hartford County, all we're talking about is hopping on 95 and it's five seconds off of the highway to right. get to Aberdeen. It's so unbelievably accessible. 
I think when Adley gets there, it's they get good crowds to begin with in Aberdeen for games. Um, I think adding in this absurd interest from Orioles fans is going to create, particularly for like their weekend games, some massive crowds. And I won't be stunned if there are some legit sellouts in Aberdeen once Adley Rutschman gets there. So um, I've been like, maybe it's a little tongue in cheek, but I've been saying I really would if I'm an Orioles fan, and I, you know, maybe starting like next weekend. Uh, looking at dates and trying to figure out now when's good for you because I, I think there's a genuine chance that you could say, hey, maybe this weekend I go up and see Adley Rutschman in Aberdeen and find out, you know, that game is legitimately sold out. I think that's the type of atmosphere that's going to exist once he arrives. I think that's the type of interest that surrounds Adley Rutschman here in Baltimore. Um, I would genuinely not take your chances and like buy tickets ahead of time because I think it's going to be that exciting once he's there. I fully agree. And, you know, myself, I, admittedly, I haven't been to uh, Aberdeen for, a, for an Ironbirds game since 2006. And so we're talking 13 years. And it's, it's 15 minutes away from my house. And, I, and I've lived in Hartford County all my life. And I, have, I just haven't been, you know, because usually I work at night. And, you know, you, uh, let's be honest, you f- usually focus on the Major League Club. And, you know, from 2012 through 2016, and even in most of 2017, the Major League Club was worth watching. You know what I mean? So, but I'm, I'm going to a game. I want to try to get to as many as I can with my, you know, working within my schedule. But it's, and I fully agree with you. I think it's going to be a lot of games that are sold out because this is the future of the team. And if you're not going to go to Canyon Yards, Aberdeen, they have a great complex. They have a ton of smaller fields. They do a great thing with the Little League. And then on top of that, they have a really nice stadium for the Ironbirds to play in, and it's, they do a great job with the game day experience. Well, and let's throw in, too, that their roster is interesting beyond just Adley's arrival. I mean, some of the other draft picks from this year, Zach Watson is really highly thought of, the kid from LSU. Um, Kyle Stowers from Stanford, he was the one, you'll remember the video of him uh, getting the news during the game that he had been drafted and the reaction that that got online. There are some interesting prospects that are there already. I think Gunnar Henderson could be on his way there too soon. Um, this is an interesting roster beyond just Adley Rutschman. So uh, what you're speaking to is absolutely right. I get it. You know, you're going to a lot of Orioles games, so you don't go as much to see the Ironbirds. I've actually, like my family's always had sort of a a small season ticket plan with them. And, you know, they divvy it up among uh, aunts, uncles and everybody. And so I've always ended up going to a game or two. And um, there's been neat moments when guys have gone and rehabbed in the past. I know Noah Syndergaard was there a couple weeks ago, uh, oddly rehabbing for the Mets. But um, I genuinely believe that it's going to be a very exciting few weeks for Aberdeen and massive crowds, and people are going to take advantage of this opportunity to see the guy that they're putting their hope in for the, the coming years. Well, yeah, and, and that team is playing really well right now. They started out the season quite slow. They were several games under 500, but now they're 17-13. and 13. Kyle Stowers is hitting right around 300, and he's actually a guy I'm going to talk about in the prospect report later on today uh, because he's playing well, and he kind of plays with an energy that we haven't seen in Baltimore for a good while. So, you know, they, they do have an exciting team. I agree with you. I think that Gunnar Henderson will probably be up there sooner rather than later, just like Adley. And they're a good squad. They have good pitching. They have good hitting. They have good defense. And it's a team worth watching. A um, couple of guys, though, that are going to be probably joining Aberdeen, if not next year, probably if not next year, probably in the next couple of years, um, are two guys that the Orioles traded for. And they traded Andrew Cashner to the Red Sox to get them. Um, they traded Cashner, who made a start and was less than spectacular for Boston in his debut last night, giving up five run, six runs, five earned. Uh, for the Red Sox last night, I believe in five and a third innings. Orioles got Elio Prado, an outfielder, a 17-year-old outfielder, 
uh, with a highly developed batting eye for his age. Right now he's hitting 306 with nine doubles, three home runs, and 20 walks to 21 strikeouts uh, for the Orioles Dominican Summer League team. Now he only has one game and one at bat for the Orioles, but he was hitting right around 301 when he came over. Uh, the other guy is Noelbert Romero. He's an infielder, about six feet tall, a small frame, 145 pounds, but smooth hands, projects to stay in the infield. And he's hitting 268 with two home runs in the Dominican Summer League also. What do you think about the Cashner trade and the return that they got for him? So I was really surprised that there was any negativity at all towards the, the Cashner trade. And it was a, a minor thing. There was a, a minority of fans that were, oh, now I'm at, like, like, really? Like, this, this is the thing that bothers you? Um, I, I get it. I get what they're doing. Trust me, I think if they could have gotten more for Andrew Cashner, they would have gotten more for Andrew Cashner. But with there being only one trade deadline this year, with teams having to decide by July 31st if they're willing to make a move, you had a minimal amount of teams that are willing to do it. Andrew Kashner is a guy who has obviously pitched well for the Orioles, but is not thought of as a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. The Red Sox in particular requiring him sort of as a for-the-time-being type of guy. Like He probably wouldn't even be a starter for them in the playoffs. Uh, on top of that, he had a terrible first start for them after the trade. I had no issue with it. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of saying... Hey, look, we could take a, a another guy that might just be a reliever, um, a double-A pitcher that could be nothing more than a reliever, or we could try to um, go you know, the, the lower end and find high upside guys at a younger age. Prado in particular is thought of fairly highly by the people that, that know that. I mean, it's let's be real. This is Dominican Summer League that we're talking about. Um, but I, I like this. I like diving into these waters and seeing if you can't find gems. You're going to have to trade Cashner no matter what. If you could have gotten a use Neil Diaz form, you would have done that. That trade wasn't out there. So you can either try to get another guy that's just a bullpen arm, or you can try to get a high-end guy that's 17 years old and, and figure out. And it might very well be that neither of these guys ends up being anything. It was still a trade you had to make and probably a chance that was worth taking, um, much like we're talking about with the July 2nd signings. I, I don't know that any of the guys signed the Orioles signed on July 2nd are going to turn out to be baseball players, but they signed a bunch of them, and they're giving themselves chances, and they're living in a world where they need to live. So I, I'm, I'm good with all of that. Um, I, I just can't fathom anybody being upset about the Andrew Cashner deal at all. Well, and we saw some hot takes on Twitter about it. One guy said that he was getting rid of his, he's been a season ticket holder since 96, and he's getting rid of his season tickets now. You know, he went through 14 years of losing, and this was the, the final straw for him. Uh, and, then, and then other people, how are you trading within the division? Um, you know, if the Orioles were in contention, I can see that argument, but they're the worst team in baseball. Two well, years the running. Dodgers offered more. You know, like, if again, if there was a team, at, the thought that the Orioles purposely wanted to try to help the Red Sox is insane. Right. Like, that's, that's nuts. If there was a team that had offered more that wasn't in the AL East, they would have done that. They would have made that trade. But to speak to what you're speaking to, absolutely. This impacts you in zero ways. As an organization, sure, as fans, we don't want to watch the Red Sox win another World Series this year. And, you know, if Andrew Kashner goes there and is able to help them do that, that's going to be a bitter pill to swallow. But the only thing that Mike Elias can think about, the only thing that matters to the Orioles at the moment is what can I do to make this team better? Um, and, and this notion that, like, they purposely took less than they could have gotten, th this is what was out there. And they were up against it in a trade market that's not moving and that teams are struggling. Again, I think this, this July 31st thing is really kind of screwed with people a little bit. They're, we've been used to seeing more trades in August the last few years. This is what was out there with a guy they had to deal because he was a pending free agent. This is what you can get. You got it, and you hope for the best moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And they even said that the Boston, they were working on this trade for about a week. Boston was clearly the most aggressive team for it. And like you said, if another team had made them a better offer, they would have traded cash into that team, but it just didn't happen. You know, and so now with Cashner gone, you have Dylan Bundy on the injured list with Nita tonight. Now they say that he should be able to come off when he's eligible to come off. Um, and he said that he feels great now, just needs some rest for it. Um, who's going to start for this team? I mean, you have Asher Wojciechowski, uh, Tom Eshelman, Aaron Brooks, maybe Dan Straley, who's pitching okay down in Norfolk. Uh, are we going to see Keegan Aiken at, at some point this year? David Hess, I think he's probably a bullpen guy moving forward. I think that the Orioles have made that clear. I mean, this team's already bad, but I think that they're basically securing that number one overall pick for next year because none of these guys should be starting in a major league rotation, and we have probably four quadruple-A pitchers in the Orioles rotation right now. If that. Um, look, it, it's a real bummer that Keegan Aiken isn't pitching better right now because this is an ideal time for you to take a look at him and to see what you might have. And at some point, you might just do it anyway, right? Like, at some point, you might just say, yeah, he's not, he's not going through a good stretch at the moment. And at, on a whole, a guy with a four-and-a-half ERA at AAA is not necessarily a guy that you want to put up in your rotation. But there might be a, you know, a crap or get off the pot moment at some point with Keegan Aiken where you just say, hey, look, we have the innings available. He's going to be pitching somewhere. Let's just go ahead and do it. Um, I, I don't know what our expectations are at this point for Keegan Aiken. I think that we're beyond the idea that he's going to be a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher in the future. I think you're trying to figure out if he might be anything. So at some point, I think you're going to have to, to pull the trigger on that no matter what. Um, it would be ideal if he was pitching better right now that you could just go ahead and feel confident making that move. Outside of that, I think you're going to see a lot more of, of openers. I think you're going to see a lot more of getting through with, with the pitchers that you have. I know it's been a bit of a struggle for Hunter Harvey since he moved up to AAA, but I think they'd like to take a look at him out of the bullpen. I think Dylan Tate might be a guy that they would look at out of the bullpen as well. Um, I think there are going to be innings available, and there's a boatload of ways to skin a cat, and I think that openers are going to be something that we're going to see more and more of. I don't know what you need to see out of Wojciechowski and Brooks and Eshelman. They're not going to be guys for you long term. They're almost certainly not going to be guys that you're going to get something out of and then flip uh, next year at the trade deadline. You know, you want to use them, fine, use them. But at some point, I do think you want to start seeing some of these other guys and see if they might be able to help you. And I think that Harvey and Tate go into that mix. Um, in general, I probably agree with you that, you know, the, the Tigers are bad. The Royals are bad. So I don't know that it's going to be just coasting to the number one pick next year. But the most likely scenario is, yeah, that because of the pitching in particular, they're just not going to have it. And they're going to end up likely being the, the team with the number one pick next year, which is frankly probably not the worst thing in the world. Let's not forget the Astros did this three times. Um, during the Astro Ball era, uh, they had the number one overall pick. It's fine. That that's you know that's that's part of this process is being bad for a while. And so, you know, frankly, it's probably the best thing that could happen. Number one picks, you know, have a history of panning out more often than not. So, um, I'm I'm good with it. It doesn't bother me. You're right. Somebody's got a pitch. I kind of don't care. And at this point, I don't really even care if they they just walked in tomorrow and said it's going to be basically nothing but openers. The right, John Means. Dylan Bundy when he's healthy, and if he doesn't get dealt and openers the rest of the season. It just it wouldn't bother me. Get the innings however you need to get them. Well, and, and that's the thing. It wouldn't bother. Most of us, it wouldn't bother because we know the point of this season. You know, and you mentioned Dylan Bundy if he doesn't get dealt, which brings me to the next point. Who's next to be traded? I mean, you're looking at guys like, um, you know, Jonathan VR, um, Trey Mancini, Michael Givens. 
uh, is Dylan Bundy, uh, an asset that you can trade. Who's next? Because this, I don't think the Orioles are done making moves. No, I agree with you, Paul. Um, I, I don't think they can be. I think VR is the most obvious one of the group. If you can get anything for him, you just kind of move him, right? Like, he's a nice player and um, a guy that got off to a great start, obviously, this season. But I think you know what he is. And if somebody is looking for something like that, you don't need to get a ton back in order to justify making that move. I think the other ones are a little bit more difficult because you feel like you need to justify them by getting something notable back for those guys. And we're talking about guys like Bundy, talking about guys like Mancini. Uh, you know, I, I, this is really tough for me because my Glenn Clark's argument would be just move them. You know, like the, I, the emotions be damned. Just, just move them, get everything you can get. Um, it means you're striking when his value is almost certainly going to be the highest. You know, you can hope that John means is definitely going to be this guy for another season and that you still have the option again a year from now. But boy, there's a lot of risk involved with that for a guy that was not scouted to be this guy. Um, I, I think that this is probably going to be as high as his value is going to be. Um, I like John Means. He's been a damn good pitcher this season. But, you know, like we saw what happened uh, out of the All-Star break and got off to a rough start there. I, I just think you move him and get what you can get. The Mancini one is obviously the most emotional of all of them. Um, because he's he's so well-liked um, within the organization and within this fan base. We're so grateful for the role that he has played as being the face of this this thing, as messy as it is, um, doing all the right things in the community, his relationship with Mo Gabba. There's so much there to like that it's tough for us to stomach the notion of the Orioles trading Tram Mancini without getting a major haul. And the truth is, you're just not likely to get a major haul for Tram Mancini. But I, I kind of feel the same way. Unfortunately, we're just in an era where everything has to be looked at as an asset. Um, I don't think there's a, a way that Trey Mancini's value goes up at any point. I just don't think that he's going to you know, suddenly become a great defensive outfielder. I don't think that he's suddenly going to become a 50 home run guy. Like I don't know what he could do that would make his value so much more when you consider that you're going to lose some control um, moving forward. So you know, Glenn Clark's thought is you move all of them and you get what you can get and you accept what it is that you're doing, that all of these things have to be assets. None of them are guys that we genuinely believe you're building around for whenever this thing comes to fruition. So you move all of it. I think the team might have slightly more emotional feelings than that, particularly with Mancini. Right. I think with Mancini, they think that they, he has some sort of value and they're not just going to give him up for the sake of giving him up. I, I agree, I, and I, I like your point. You, what is Trey Mancini? I think at his peak, he's a 30-homer guy. And, you know, this day and age with, with this ball, you know, seemingly being juiced, there's a lot of guys that are 30-home run guys. So what makes Trey Mancini special? You know, is it that relationship with Mo Gabba? Is it the, you know, the influence that he is in the community, the nice guy that he is, and the team leader that he seems to be building himself into? But when we talked about this the last time I had you on my show, uh, he's 27 years old, you know, and he's not like a, he's not like a young prospect. He basically is what he is. He's coming off right now. He was over 24 and got a you know, little bloop double yesterday to break that streak, but he's, he's in a bad slump right now. They've seen his average drop below 280, you know, and it, it, he basically is what he is. He's going to be a 270 to 280 hitter. that's going to 25 to 30 home runs and doesn't have a position, uh, you know, so I, I like your point where you say that you that you want to kind of get rid of all these guys and trade them, see what you can get, and start moving forward. I want to take that point, and I want to run with it 
But first, I want to kick it off to DNL Window Tinting for a bit of a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right back into it with Glenn Clark on the payoff pitch. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch. Again, I'm Paul Valley, and Glenn Clark is still on here with me. Uh, and Glenn, you had a point that you wanted to make. We were talking about how you know it might be time for the Orioles to trade a guy like Mancini and Givens and VR and even Bundy and get what you can get and then just start moving forward because that's what this club has to do. But you wanted to make a point about that uh, because there's an argument to the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Paul, I, and I don't want to be dismissive of this because I, I do think it's relevant. One of the arguments that will be made by people about why you don't just trade everybody is that even if you know you're going to be bad, you still have an obligation to give a fan base something to show up to see or to watch. Like you're going to play the games next year and you're going to ask people to buy tickets and you have an obligation to give them something, whatever that is. Even if you know the team as a whole is not going to be very good, not competitive, the whole deal, there's got to be some reason why they would purchase a ticket and go to a baseball game. And that's the best argument that you can make for why you wouldn't move, say, a Trey Mancini at this point, because he's likable, because he's marketable, because even if he's not you know, a future Hall of Fame player, he's a guy who has some value um, here locally. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think that's nothing. I don't think there's nothing to that argument. Um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit colder, like, hey, I'm thinking about a few years in advance. I just don't care about next season. But I do think there is something to be said for the people that are season ticket holders, the people that, you know, are inclined to to want to have a reason to go to the ballpark. I don't think there's nothing to the argument of you want to have something there that gets them to go to the ballpark. And with that in mind, if you shock Trey Mancini around and find out you just can't get that much for him, maybe in your heart of hearts as an organization, you say whatever, you know, equity there is in us saying, hey, look, Trey Mancini will be here and be a part of the team it's just as valuable as the parts that were being offered by another franchise to trade for Trey Mancini. So, I, like, again, I can say it very coldly, hey, everything's an asset, but I don't think there's nothing to the argument that you need to have something on the field, even if you're going to be bad, that people would want to go see. Well, right, and I think that's where a lot of the ire from some of the fans who are upset about the cashier trade comes from. You know, right. not, not only did you only get two 17-year-old Dominican Summer League prospects for him, which you and I are in agreement that that's probably what they needed to do, but who's going to go out there and pitch for this team and, and win? And that's a point that we're talking about, you know, with who's going to start for this team. What's, who wants to go out to the ballpark and watch a bunch of guys who aren't major league pitchers and just watch your team get bludgeoned night after night? And so I get the point. Again, I, I'm in a different place, right? I'm so accepting of what's going on here. Right. And that, I, like, I'm, I'm not telling you that it's going to work out the way that it did in Houston, the way that it worked out with the Cubs, but... I get that that's the pattern that you're trying to follow, and I know what that means. It's god-awful baseball for a few years. It's unwatchable. You are being made fun of by everybody on the planet baseball for a couple of years. I can accept that, but it's easy for me to do because I've got two young kids right now, so we're probably only going to go to a, a couple of games during the course of the season anyway, right? Like, I can't take my two- and my four-year-old out to 40 games during the course of the year. They just don't have it in them. Um, so it's easier for me to say, hey, it's not the end of the world, 
if I'm just not inspired to go to the ballpark on a Thursday night, because even if I was, I might not be able to anyway, just because of my kids. So there's sort of a selfish thing that's in play with this, that I can understand that their decision-making can't be made based on just what Glenn thinks. So Andrew Kashner only pitches every fifth day. If you're going out to the ballpark because Andrew Kashner was pitching, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, I, God bless you. I sort of get it with Trey Mancini. Like, there's a sense of if we go, there's someone that we're going to want to stand up and clap for and we're going to be proud of having as a Baltimore Oriole. There's, there's equity there. There's something that matters about that. And so I'm not fully dismissive of that. I'm not saying the hell with that. I'm saying it's easier for me, Glenn Clark, to say I, I can live without that. But I do know, I recognize that that's not a zero, that that's something that they do have to think about in the course of making a decision like this. Right. And, you know, the, the point of this season and maybe even next season is to evaluate talent and find talent that can be... So you, eventually you're fielding an entire team of those players that you can stand up and be proud about, right? And so this year has been really tough, right? It's been really tough for the fans because they don't have a lot of those players to cheer for. Like you said, they have Trey Mancini, and then that's about it. What's the play for this team moving forward into next year? Because this year, I think, a lot, I, I think we all knew that it was going to be bad, right? But I think the average fan didn't realize it was going to be just this bad. Guys like you and I, because we follow this team and we're, we're around this team day in and day out, we understand the process and, and all that. But I don't think that we could have fully explained to the average Orioles fan exactly what they were in for for this year. And that's some of the worst baseball that we've seen in the last 20 to 25 years out of this franchise. Am I right? Oh, I mean, it's unthinkable, right? Like, that's... It. Yes, 100%. I think that if you're a thinker, you understand the difference between what's happening right now and what happened between 1998 and 2011, right? Like, that, like we know that was just painful. There, it was purposeless. It was miserable. It was embarrassing. It was all of those things. That's not what I'm watching. That To me, I know the team is going to lose games. Like, I know that. I know they're going to lose. I know they're not going to be any good. But I get it. Like, that's, th there's a purpose to it. And so I, I know that's not easy for everybody to do. And I know that a lot of people don't live in the big picture that it's just, hey, I, my summer, I want to spend watching baseball and having fun and seeing a team win and compete. And I get that. Um, I, I, I know that this is a different feeling in 2019 for me than it was, say, in 2009. Um, I'm, I'm far, this is more pleasant for me, as bad as it is might be the worst team in Orioles history. It's still more pleasant for me than what I saw in 2009 than just spending money on guys that aren't really good enough, doing it aimlessly. I, I, I can't, I don't know how to speak to it. I don't know if there's the best way to define it. Um, it's a shame that I talk for a living because I'm not doing a very good job of, of, of nailing this down. But I, I, I think we all know, I think those of us that, that are capable of thinking like this know that what we're watching is not the same as what it was during that dark era of, era of Orioles baseball. And so I can live with this. I can stomach this, even if I know it's going to be a few for a few years, because I believe it ultimately sets you in a pattern that can work. Well, and that's the thing. It's more pleasant because you know that there's a plan in place so that we don't ever have to deal with this. If, if You can't say that we don't ever have to deal with this again, but it's going to be quite a while until we have to deal with it again. And... 
So my, my, my question now is, after this season, do they have the same mentality that they had going into this year that they have going into next year? Or is next year the year that we start seeing guys getting their feet wet and we start seeing the talent that's going to contribute to this, to this team getting back to their winning ways starting to get their feet wet at the major league level? So it's an interesting question, and I guess it probably will have to be a case-by-case basis, Paul, where I think that this regime is going to make guys bang down the door um, in order to get here, right? Like, and that's so it's funny because we are just talking about Keegan Aiken. I think if Keegan Aiken were pitching brilliantly at the AAA level, he'd be here. Um, I, I think the fact that he's not pitched that well this season means we're not in a rush. Um, now, again, at some point you run out of time. At some point you either got to get the major, guy to the major league level or, or, you know, what are you doing? But I don't think they're just going to put guys up next year for the sake of saying, hey, look, you guys want to have a prospect to look at. We're going to give you a prospect to look at. Um, I think they're still going to be inclined to say, we'll let the Rio Ruizes of the world play while we figure out what these guys are. Now, if somebody demands being up here, I don't think they're going to purposely not bring somebody up, right? Like if, try to think of a good example. So Michael Bauman, who threw the no hitter last night for Bowie, right? Like if Michael Bauman were to post stellar numbers the rest of the year, at double A, go to triple A next year and like post incredible numbers for half the season. I don't think they would purposely leave him there just because, Hey, look, there's a danger of him coming up here and being good. And that's not getting the number one pick at the end of the year. But I think they're going to demand that you force your way up here versus just bringing guys up for the sake of, hey, fans will be more interested in seeing this guy than they are in seeing, you know, Asher Wojciechowski. So um, that's the sense that I get. I don't, like, the notion of them spending money again this offseason seems wildly, and I even mean, like, minimal money. I just don't know for what. Like, I, could they potentially look at some one-year guys that they say, hey, maybe we could bring him in here for a couple of weeks and they could be a good flip option for us at the trade deadline. You know, try to find the next Jonathan VR. Maybe, maybe they could do something like that. But my gut is it's more of the same. My gut is the strategy continues until the talent gets to a point where it's demanding that you change your strategy. Until you look around and you've had two or three of these guys force their way to the major league level, succeed at the major league level, I I think it's going to be more of the same. Yeah, and I and you did answer my next question in that response, and that was going to be, do they go out and maybe sign some middling relievers that can actually get people out at the major league level? And I think that even a fan like myself is hoping that they get somebody to, just to make the games a little bit more watchable. I don't expect them to go from winning you know, 50 games this year to winning 80 games next year, but it would be nice to see them you know, at least make an effort to be competitive on a nightly basis. Whereas, because that's what we were hoping for this year. At, at best, we were thinking maybe this team can be fun and be competitive on a nightly basis. And they were the first 15 games of the season. It's been basically a dumpster fire ever since then. Uh, so, I guess most fans are probably just hoping for improvement and better effort. But you know, this—it's a process, and we know how long it's, it's going to take. Right. Yeah, that's the reality. Like, and that's the, the tricky part about it. Like, everybody a year ago said, "Hey, sign me up for a rebuild." And I kept saying, "Like, hey, do you guys really know what that means?" Mm-hmm. Because it, it's it's not fun. It sucks. It is painful as hell for a while. Um, and and I get what you're saying, and I certainly get the argument. I'm not saying they will go out of their way to not get guys like that, but I don't think that they spend. If they cost money, I think they pass. Yeah. Um, I, I think right now it's a 
you know, we'll maybe go sign somebody, you know, uh, they'll go to look to acquire their next Richard Blyer, right? Like they'll look to acquire somebody on a low end that maybe has some upside, something along those lines. But I don't think they're spending real money on a relief pitcher. I just don't think they're spending real money on anything. I, I think that they are, are in this, you know, I think they're given another year or so. At some point, do you risk alienating the fan base to the point where it almost doesn't matter? I guess, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see any reason to alter your course now. I, I don't see any reason to do anything other than what it is that you have been doing, um, trying to identify young talent and move forward with that and kind of going from there. Right, and I, the whole thing about alienating a fan base I feel like if this fan base was going to be alienated, it would have happened over those 14 years of losing. And you look at the Houston Astros as an example. They lost. They were the worst team in baseball three years running. They had the first overall pick, I think, two years in a row. and or Actually, it may have been three years in a row. And they lost over 100 games all three of those years. And now that stadium is packed every night. You know, they, they won a world championship. Winning brings the fans back. And I have no doubt that that's going to no, be the same thing here. It's critical that as we say that, that we say you have to do the things on the back end. And that's where, what we don't know yet from this organization. If these guys pan out, you have to commit to spending money to keep them around. Mm -hmm. And so their argument would be, hey, if we're spending money right now on, we, here's, here's your option, right? You can spend some money right now and bring in some relief pitchers next year. That could be the difference between us winning 50 games and winning 70 games. Or we can just win 50 games again, not spend any money on relief pitchers, and pocket that money in hopes that Grayson Rodriguez and Drew Rahm are really as good as we think they might be. And when they become that good, that money will still be there for us to use to try to keep them around and extend our window on the back end. Um, as a fan, I still need to see that side of this, right? Like, even if the talent pans out, that's all well and good, but it can't be the Florida Marlins where, hey, we found some talent and... Then as soon as it got here, we realized we couldn't sign them, so we just let it all run, and we never created. I mean, obviously the Marlins from '97 and 2003. I take that, but you mean since 2003, we can't be that type of organization. Um, so th you know, I, that's why I come back to. I just don't see any purpose in spending money right now I, I, at all. I, I think you accept this for what it is and try to identify the next group of your own guys that are worth spending money on. Um, the Jose Altuve's of the world, the Carlos Correa's of the world. Figure out who those guys are. Spend money on those guys when it comes around or to surround them um, when you get to that point. So I, I, I am I'm admittedly more cold about this than other people are. And I certainly understand that there is it, it sucks to go to the ballpark and know what it is that you're watching. And it's just not going to be fun. But I, I, I'm on board. I've spent money on tickets. I've taken my kids to games this year. I will do it more despite the fact the team's no good, despite the fact that I know they're not going to win. Um, like it's a bummer. The Diamondbacks, we go to Arizona instead of the Diamondbacks coming here. I'd love to spend some money to go see Adam Jones, you know, next week. I would willingly, I'd happily do that if the Diamondbacks are coming to Baltimore. It's a bummer. The schedule didn't work out that way, but you know, I, I can live with what it is that we're getting right now because I, I, I see what the point is of all of it. Um, and I've been through pointless baseball and I, I don't, I don't ever want that again. Well, and it's an excellent point that you make about saving the money now so that you can spend it later. Uh, because a lot of this fan base is disenchanted with the franchise because of the fact that they draft a guy like Manny Machado, for example, and then as soon as he becomes a free agent, he's no, he's no longer an Oriole. You can't right. keep drafting Manny Machados and letting him walk. So if, right. you, if you can save money now so that you can have guys like Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson or Kyle Stowers, you know, eight, nine years from now when they're free agents, 
you can keep them and then you can have sustained success with the ball club. And so, again, they have, they have to prove that, right? Like they have to prove uh, that they'll do that when we get to that point. I want to make that like, I can't just tell you that I assume they're going to do everything right because we haven't gotten there yet. But if that's, if that's the reason, and that's been floated around, right? Like if the reason why you don't want to spend any money at all right now is because you want to spend the money when you have a chance to win, I am on board with that. But you got to go do that when you get into that situation. Absolutely. Now, Glenn, like I said, I know you got to run. Uh, I do want to ask you one more question because I found it interesting that this just happened. Um, Jace Peterson, he was down at Norfolk. He just won the International League Batter of the Week last week. Had an eight-game hitting streak. He was hitting 519, three home runs, four doubles for them. Slashing 309, 394, 505 with an 899 OPS in Norfolk this year. Nine home runs. 44 RBIs and 12 stolen bases. This is a guy that plays the infield, can play the outfield. He's got speed, and he just got released yesterday. The, uh, he had an opt-out clause. He asked for his release, and the Orioles released him. We assume that VR is probably getting traded, right? Because right now, even with, with this team being as bad as it, as it is, you're not getting rid of Nunez or Ruiz. You're not getting rid of Hanser Alberto, uh, and your outfield's pretty much set. So who are you getting rid of? Maybe if VR gets traded, I'm surprised. Does it surprise you? Because I know it maybe surprised me a little bit that the Orioles didn't convince Jace Peterson to stick around until that July 31st trade deadline because he'd probably have a spot on the roster after that date. So you know, there's there's a there's a couple of ways of looking at that. Like, is it possible that Jace Peterson knew he had an option somewhere, you know, that that he liked, and so he wanted to go take advantage of that? I I don't know enough about Jace Peterson. Uh, interesting enough, I just found this out. Jace Peterson, the brother-in-law of U.S. Women's National Team star Mallory Pugh. So I, I did, I was unaware of that. That's the first thing that I'd ever learned about Jace Peterson. Um, I, I don't, yeah. I, in theory, I'm. It sounds right, Paul. Like you know, I'm with you. Why? It, it sure as hell can't hurt. Um, you know that you would give that guy a look. Um, I don't have high expectations for Jace Peterson as a major league player, but I don't think that we that we're looking at him as a savior for this franchise who's going to make them suddenly win 20 more games this year. But he's right. a he's probably a 200 220 major league hitter. But if anybody's earned an opportunity, he certainly has. I agree. Um, I, I I wish I had a better answer, man. I really wish I did. You know, if if some people want to read into it and say maybe this is the Orioles saying they know they can't deal. Nunez, they can't deal um, Alberto, they can't deal VR, so like they just don't think they have a spot coming free anytime soon, and that's the end of it. Uh, maybe, but that seems you know unlikely they wouldn't be able to move anybody. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I, I can I can I can give you that it's weird. Um, that's probably about all I can give you, unfortunately. I just don't know anything beyond that. <laughs> Oh, well, no worries, man. I wasn't expecting you to go too, too in-depth about Jace Peterson. I'm sure not a lot of people know a lot about There's him. There's a great but... breakdown of Jace Peterson that I can't help. <laughs> yeah. But just a guy who was swinging a good bat for Norfolk all season, who I thought was deserving at least of coming up on a bad baseball team to get an opportunity to play at the big league level. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. So, well, hey, Glenn, really great stuff as always. been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we get you on here more um, and we can do some more Orioles talking. Until then... Enjoy the rest of your day, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. Happy to do it, Paul. Really appreciate you having me, man. Absolutely, man. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, as for me, that's going to do it for the Payoff Pitch, presented by DNL Window Tinting on Phantom Radio. Again, I'm Paul Valley. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, go O's.